The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, what a weekend it was. It was the survival of the fittest. And um, I guess the first question was, how fit were you? Did you survive? Uh, let me tell you something. I barely survived. You know, I walked in the building and within five minutes up until around showtime, I was as aggravated as I've ever been. And uh, so... What what type of thing, if you walk into the arena, it's a fresh day, everything's new, people are doing stuff, what is it that essentially starts sending everything into a spiral when you first get to the arena? Well, you know, it's pretty simple. The, it's an early show. The show starts at 5. Uh, you know, if you don't know when call time should be and you, you you don't know how about you fucking ask you know and you know i'm pretty liberal you know i there's a lot of you know you can go to marquez and you're going to be there five hours beforehand there's a lot of these places yeah. you know the show starts at five call time should be around two-ish you know but i'll say two two thirty for the people who ask me and if you get there around three i'm okay with it you know Doors open at four. And it was like so many of the younger guys, not not the Hammerstone who had to fly in from the East Coast, and seven guys are in the uh, in the main event, and it's 3.30, and Hammerstone's the only guy there. And then they start rolling in at 4 o'clock, and that's fucking unacceptable. And I had to fucking go off on all of the guys, you know, about it. And, you know, I know Shogun, you know, works the pool area and stuff. So, like, he, he kind of gets a pass. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume I didn't ask him, but I, I know in the past that's, you know, the issue that they had. And the other ones were just, you know, hey, I was there helping out for, for setup in the morning. Awesome. That's fantastic. But there was literally 10 guys that showed up an hour after call time and that's the liberal call time of two thirty. so you know I, I i'm not having it it's like you know these guys are put in good positions if the guy's driving you know when wise guy ends up showing up late the guy's driving from fresno you, you you can accept that when you're rolling out of bed and you can't get there in time then that you show some professionalism show some pride you know, you think you want to be there. I run the door at 4 o'clock. If you show up at 4.05, how are we talking about the match and right. discussing what we need to do for the for the entire show? 
So, you know, plus there was other little things that, you know, add up. So it just becomes an annoyance. It's like, you know, you don't even have the matches yet and you're annoyed. You know, it's just like mind-boggling sometimes. Uh, and when you when you got to the arena, uh, was that your first time seeing the new uh, ring setup? Yeah, and the first thing I saw was it was a lot higher. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we had a new ring uh, that we used. Everybody seemed to say uh, it was pretty equivalent to the regular one that we've had since, you know, pretty much the day four. You know, we did use the first one, Legacy's ring, the first show. So after that, we got our own ring, and it's held up really well. And we got this ring from uh, Utah. Got a good deal on it. So it made things, again, make spending more money and making things easier for the younger guys to not have to break down a ring, move the ring, set up the ring. You know, now there's a ring permanently at the school. You know, now we're able to have kids class on Saturday and not lose the income from that. We're able to uh, rent the venue and the ring to Circle Six on Saturday night and not have to worry about breaking down the ring at midnight on Saturday night, you know, to make things easy. And, you know, I get it. You know, some of the, oh, you know, uh, we just came back from Best of the West. That's not my problem. If it's that difficult for you, if six hours of sleep is not enough for you and you're 23 years old because you want to be a wrestler, you know, I was talking with Sin Bodhi yesterday. It was funny. It was like, yeah, that some of these guys is like, oh, my God, they work two shows this weekend. They're exhausted. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, what are you going to do if you actually had to do it for a living? You know, a lot of these guys get booked you know, two, three times a weekend, you know, Hammerstone gets on a flight. He comes, he's on the East coast. He has to come over, you know, he's got to scramble to get a ride home because, you know, Jacob Boston Young was initially going to be at the show. And then he found out that there was a miscommunication and he was needed to wrestle on the new Japan show on, uh, you know, Sunday. So, Hammerstone wasn't aware that I also had booked the the younger guys because I thought we might have some spots needed, you know. So he was scrambling. Like, he hit me up about, hey, you know, I found the flight, you know, to get home because he thought he would have no way. So I have a lot of other things that I got to handle that this is supposed to be the easy part. Like, you think you'd be excited, man. We got a show at Silver Nugget. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, you know, uh, doors, I thought, open 30 minutes before the show. It's like, uh, where have you been? When we do a school show, we are are open them 30 minutes before. A lot of times we have a meet and greet at 3 o'clock. So imagine if you show up at 4 then. It's like, you know, nobody seems to know or remember, but then they're afraid to ask. Sure. Sure. And, yeah, that's... You know, you know and, and then it's like, oh, crap, I got to run the door. And, you know, I thought NJ was going to be there for commentary. And now it's 445 and he's not there. And I'm like, what the fuck? Now I got to hurry up and do this. I got to get Rocky come over. 
you know, I got more stuff to do because, oh, shit, now I got to scramble because I got to do commentary. And right. then, you know, 10 minutes before the show starts, which was like two minutes before the pre-show match, he shows up. It's like, dude, you got to be here. You yeah. know, you can't show up five minutes before a show. So it's like, yeesh. Well, and that's, you know. Uh, but God forbid they're not on the show. Forget about it. <laughs> you know, then then, then it's, then it's crybaby city. Well, what um, what do you think can get it through to a young wrestler that call times are very important, especially uh, it doesn't reflect just on what they're doing in your company, but if they're going to other places, um, you know, you you have to have certain things like promptness and being able to listen and being able to accept what you're being asked to do this stuff should be across the boards why is it a variation for you as opposed to guys maybe going out to arizona or utah or you know well, I, I think it all has to do with the freedom i give people so of course when somebody gives you something now now people need not everybody but People always take advantage of a situation. You know, yeah. it's funny. You know, uh, Peter Avalon in the past, hey, I just want to put over your guys. You know, they were great. And it's like, right, they're on their best behavior when, when they're over there. And you talk with Dom and, oh, man, you guys are good, blah, 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 blah. You know, like their guys are good. Like Dom's guys are there. You know what I mean? It's like whether they're booked or not. It's like, hey, I might need, I might have some spots. I need you, you know, to come down. I'll, I'll try to get you the pre-show match. And I was talking to Blair Brody, and then he said Koa and uh, you know, Devin Reno. So right. I'm like, yeah, just in case, because we, you know, we had different ideas. We were going to do the gauntlet match with Nick Xander, but we just didn't feel we had the right, the right grouping of people. And so they would have had spots to fill. And then Mr. Classic showed up, who I like very much. You know, super nice guy. You know, in, in the future, I could pass him off as uh, Chris Bay. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, if you turn the head a little bit. And so I ended up making that a tag match. And it's just like, you know, that there was, there was people on our roster that I saw you know, Saturday at Circle Six, but I didn't see him at our place, you know, on Sunday. And it's like, you know, unfortunately, the only way to get through is, is with threats. It's like, you know, I'm going to sit down, people, even though I yapped at the fucking show to people individually. It's like, I don't give a fuck. If call time is three and you roll in at four, just go home because I'm not going to use you. It's not, it's not that difficult. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm trying to give you the platform. And it, it, if you believe that it's it's not worthy enough for you to be there on time, you know, why would I recommend you for something? Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a sad truth. And it's what's very interesting, too, is that I think that again the word here is professional professional wrestler if that's what you're trying to be you have to be a professional well if you show up for your job you know 
an hour later than the time you're asked to be there, you're going to get fired and not going to be a professional. So, you know, I felt I was late and I got there at like 145, 150, you know, because I wanted to be there at one because sure. I know there's never enough time. So it's, it's like, well, now it's three o'clock. I could have I could have talked to six people about what we need and what's going on for the show, except nobody's fucking there. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, well, why am I in a rush to get there? You other guys are performing, you know. I've had to do all the all the work to get to this moment. Right. And now this is supposed to be your moment. Yep. And you know, the excuse of working another show the night before means nothing to me. You know? No, it, it, and it shouldn't, uh, because you know, if you think of other live uh, performance styles, uh, art forms, you know, live theater, you're doing live theater every single night consecutively, except for the the day off you get in the week. Um, same with concert touring, you know, bands on the road for three, four months on end before they can, you know take a break and, and, and they do a sound check three hours before the doors are open yeah and, yeah in too. reality Def Leppard really doesn't have to be there seven hours before the show but because they know it's their show they want to make sure everything is right you know people want to walk in and and the funny thing is though it's like everybody wants to get in the ring feel it out you know talk over some things you know, whatever it is, the, the, the pre-show, you know, the pre-door, you know, ritual that they have. But then all of a sudden it's like, hey, everybody, you need to clear out because the doors are going to open. And then everybody's milking the last second because they got there so late. Now they didn't get the time that they wanted. And, you know, that that's going to be the excuse for why they had a shitty match. Yeah. Yeah, and it's easier to t to come up with excuses, uh, you know, relying on that uh, than to take the responsibility. So it's a very interesting thing. But we did have a show, uh, you know, that, you know, I think delivered on, on what uh, you've been building up to. Well, uh, in, in most situations, you know, there, there was a few non-bangers on the show for sure and maybe if you're around more and maybe if you know i'm not gonna blame somebody who's trained and gets to work on a casino show to them getting there late but it, it, it's everything you know how much effort and work were you putting in oh well, i didn't get enough sleep maybe you were too tired well then maybe you know after that show that ended at 10 or 11 o'clock you drove home you know, when I hear you got home at 7.30 in the morning on a five-hour ride, that means you didn't leave till 2.30. Yeah. Well, you know you have a show the next day, so you think you'd either sleep there and then drive, or you would get home as early as you could and be home by 3 or 4, so you can get a solid 7, 8 hours of sleep, be well-rested, and to come back, you know? Yeah. And it's like... Well, if you're going to work another show on Friday and ours is a Saturday, for example, and every time you work a Friday show, you're lazy and complacent and tired on Saturday. How about I just don't book you in the future? 
Makes things yeah. easier for everybody. You can get your rest. You can sleep all day. Well, you know, the show opened up um, with uh, the Sky High and uh, Bodie versus um, Brett the Threat and the Suavecitos. Let me ask you, uh, how much did you pay to have Danny's nose uh, messed up, and uh, was it worth it? Uh, actually, I have to put a bonus out there because I didn't pay. So, you know, I guess young Bodie's going to have to get a bonus for a job well done. <laughs> um, and uh, are you trying to compete with AEW and just – draw color in every first match now is that what's going on well i was going to see uh, if they wanted to set the record for the most dives in an opening match spot but you know they were pretty close <laughs> um when you look at how that match played out uh and the being that it was the opener after the pre-show match uh do you think that that match got the fans into it did it live up to uh the expectations of what was built up for uh those six guys i think the match delivered in terms of the crowd being excited and into it i don't think the match was very good uh you know if you didn't see the match and you went backstage after the match you could see that they weren't very uh, jumpy and happy about the performance. You know, Danny wasn't telling me what a banger it was. You know, it sure. was like, you know, th there was a lot of hiccups. And these are guys who've had a lot of experience working together. So, you know, there shouldn't, that shouldn't be one of the matches that doesn't deliver in the ring. Fortunately, personality wise, you know, people love Bodie. And people love Sky High, and people hate the Suavecitos, and they hate Brett the Threat. So they're definitely engaged in what's happening. And again, a lot of the stuff that doesn't go right, it, it, you know, I see it doesn't make me happy, but it isn't like it's so easy to see that all the fans are taken away from the match because there was all these big fuck-ups. No, it's little stuff. It's placement. It's, you know, seems like some miscommunication and confusion on what, what should be happening at that time. So it ends up coming across as it was okay, you know. But, again, I know they're capable of a better match. And they didn't reach that level. And, you know, that that's all you can really say. It's like... You know, younger guys always think they're going to have the best match on the show. And it's how they react when they don't. And it's like, thank God you're aware that you didn't have a great match. Because sometimes sure. that's my issue with with, with, with with Danny and the Suavecitos. Where it's like, dude, you better look back at the match. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're proud of this effort. And it wasn't that great. So calm down. You know, but there are also going to be times you're going to have a really good match, but you're also going to have a really shitty match. And, you, you know, you can't get too high and you can't get too low. You know, that's what happens when you use younger guys. You know, yeah. I, I've stated it before. I've had Brian Cage, Kenny King, Max Dupree, whatever, in matches together that were the shits. It's going to happen. 
with guys with 10, 15 years experience. So if you think guys that have been in this for two or three years are going to go out there and everything's always going to be magical, well, that, that, that's not realistic. Um, when you uh, look at uh, another match, that the, the second match on the, uh, the show, uh, I believe, it was uh, Ricky Tenacious and Alice Blair uh, versus uh, Chase Bell and uh, Gypsy Mack. Um, when you were putting together, you know, trying to put together, we talked about it a little bit last week, um, that you'd have a mixed tag. Uh, how difficult was it to get together? And do you think that um, that late pairing actually ended up uh, working for the match? Uh, again, they're, they're another match that was uh, very sloppy. Uh, definitely, you know, the females, uh, especially in that match, are less experienced. They definitely they need work. They need training. You got to be around, you know. And Ricky and Chase are fine. Uh, but again, there was a lot of sloppiness in there. And, you know, those... When you, when you have that kind of a matchup and, you know, it's that future shock, you know, you're on the big stage, man. You better step it up because those those expectations are a lot higher. And right. if you don't produce on that big show, well, there's a good chance you probably won't be on the next big show. You know, I pride myself on having the best talent possible there. And more spaces opened up because you had a six-man tag uh, to open the show. You had a four-person intergender. You had a main event that had seven people in it. You had a five-way scramble. So on a normal show, you're not having a six-man, a five-man, and a seven-man. So those three matches with 18 people are now six matches, maybe, maybe seven matches, because maybe you only need 18 to 20 people, you know? Yeah. Let's say I'm going to throw in a tag match. That's four. I'm going to throw in a scramble. That's four or five. We'll just say five. That's already nine in two matches. Well, there's going to be five singles matches. So that's 19. And if we go, so we're going to have 21, 22 people on a show. Well, we had 18 on three. So that means we had, you know, a bunch more going on. So there might have been 28, 30 people on the show. So eight of them may not have made that show. You know, unless we're doing the Rumble show at Against All Odds, where, of course, we're going to have 30 people in the Rumble. But, right. you know, if you look at the anniversary show, you know, there, there was eight matches. Right. You know, here there was only seven matches. The time flowed fantastic. You know, it, it was it was done within two hours and ten minutes. Yeah. And, you know, if we could do anything in that 215, 220 range, I'm ecstatic. 230, I can live with. But 210, you know, it's great. You know, the, the fans are in, the fans are out. You know, nothing overstayed. It's welcome. You know, no match schedule for eight minutes when 17. You know, it was like people, you know, me being negative is one thing. And there's every reason for it. But there were a lot of positives that, that came out of the show which is how it usually is. I just think there was more negatives on this show than that there has been in, in a major show we've done in, in a while. Sure. 
Um, Nick Xander and Clutch, uh, you know, this was their second match. Uh, did it? Do you think it was uh, better than their first one, or uh, do you think that it uh, just needed a little something more? You know, again, I only saw bits and pieces of it. I actually went back yesterday and, and kind of looked at more, but I was looking for certain things to see how it worked out, the finish, things like that. Sure. You know, I, I, that's a match that was telling a story. And, right. you know, I think it, it told the story that it needed to tell. You know, uh, I think the, uh, the placement of Nick Bugatti, you know, he had actually presented that idea to me, and I liked it, you know, and, and I think it worked well. The one thing that looked a little weird to me when I look back at it is like, okay, here's this dude, like, it's 100 degrees out. He's got this hood. He's covered up. <laughs> like, I would think as a fan, I'd be looking over like, that guy's got to be doing something. But it didn't seem like the fans thought it, and then, you know, and – and the thing was, at the end, there was a decent amount of people. Not everybody, you know, recognized the guy who's been with us for a very long time, but hasn't been. But it's only been like a year, you know. So it just shows yeah. that there's a lot of turnover, you know, in the fan base. That, yeah. you know, it's Vegas. People move in. People move out. You know, a lot of the regulars that were there, they, they know Bugatti and they saw it. And it kind of plays into, you know, Nick Xander calling out Nick Bugatti, who wasn't even around seven months ago, eight months ago. Right. And, you know, you like to say in wrestling, you know, be careful what you wish for. And Xander wished for Nick Bugatti, and he got him served. And Nick Bugatti actually served him up on the platter for clutch. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a great, uh, great story uh, moment. Uh, nice to see uh, Nick getting back into the fold. I know that he's been you know, working towards it and, and thinking you, about it. Yeah, Xander got a huge gash on his leg that I, I I don't know how it happened. I guess it happened in a situation in the match. But, like, yeah. when I heard, it was like, hey, we got a first aid kit. You know, Nick's got a cut on his shin. It's like, well, that was a little more than a cut. You know what I mean? It's like, I got a cut on my finger. You know, that's, you know, they were saying you could see bone. Yeah, I'm not, you, I'm not talking about funny bone. Yeah, you could, you could literally, uh, if you if it was Thanksgiving, you could stuff it with dressing. It was that like that open, and it was it was deep. But it was it was just one of those like kind of weird like wow man that's just strange how that particular cut happened. Um, but man, again, it shows. Shows a little bit of heart, shows a little bit of uh, toughness uh, that he was able to get through the match with that brutal of a of a gash. Um, and hopefully, yeah, you know, after the fact, Clutch was like, "Man, he's a tough dude." Like he didn't even complain about it. Like he didn't like you know roll out of the ring. Like you know, Clutch was not aware of it until after the match was over. That you know it was a pretty uh, you know deep cut. And I think didn't uh, their last match? I thought Nick, uh, I thought Sander had uh, something happen with, with like shoulders or ribs or something like that. So he's yeah, yeah, you know, clutch roughed him up a little bit. Yeah, he's he's been uh, he's been showing his uh, maybe a little rusty. You know what I'm saying? 
uh, we got to get clutch glasses. Maybe that's it. Maybe he's starting to lose the uh, the eyesight in the the old age. Well, yeah, and plus he didn't, you know, get a little winded, and he could tag in Sugar Brown. You know what I'm saying? Like he he had to he had to do it all himself. I don't know. I swore I did see one moment that he kind of turned around to make the tag, and no one was in the corner. So. I think it was still actually. On uh, he was probably uh, standing by the merch area because I actually did see him in the audience. I was wondering. I'm like, huh? Hey, I wonder if he's going to get involved. Uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was. It was good to see uh, Sugar around. But uh, you know, I asked him at uh, 52 if uh, he's too old right now, and so. We'll see, man. Maybe he'll, he'll come around. Maybe he's gotten that rest and is uh, is itching for a little bit more. Um, well, you know, usually the telltale sign is, you know, there's certain guys that you, you you just oh they've been around forever and then they just stop coming by and they're done. You know, yeah. there's got to be some inkling of coming back and without knowing. Obviously, my personal opinion is. You know, I saw him AEW weekend. I saw him at the anniversary. And I wouldn't call it sniffing around because I say, hey, bro, you know, ba 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 You know? And it's like, you know, and he smiles and, you know, he gives you that sugar brown smile. You know what I mean? And it's like, right. you know, but he keeps it close to the vest. But you got to believe there's some desire. It's kind of like even Tyshawn Prince, man, you know, hit him up. He sees some stuff. He's like, oh, you know, I was thinking of coming by. And it's like, you know, he has, you know, people don't know. He's been by a few different times over the years. You know, when we did the uh, the Hall of Fame, he actually did wrestle in the uh, in the Battle Royal, the Nick Bockwinkle Battle Royal a few years ago. You know, he for people who don't know, he got really fucked up. He was doing those mocap videos that a lot of our guys do. You know, Lance Hoyt does it, Kenny King, TJP, Chris Bay, Trey Miguel. They all go up to like San Francisco like once a month and they film uh, stuff that gets used for the video games. And it's yeah. a great supplement for the income. Sean Davari did it. That's how like all these guys that didn't know who knew Tyshawn. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know Tyshawn. It's like, how do you know him? And they'd be like, oh, the mocap. And I guess they did some spot and uh, Tyshawn was supposed to be on the top going into the ring. And somehow it fucked up and he went out of the ring and he hit his head and he got really badly concussed. And, you know, that took him out of action for a couple of years. And, you know, life goes on. He does the things. And, you know, it took him a long time to, like, step back in a ring because he really got fucked up. Yeah. Uh, And a shout out to Navajo Warrior, who is – you know, one of those guys who gets the guys uh, the opportunity yeah. for doing Yeah, the Navajo uh, puts a lot of those guys in place. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of some guys that, uh, you know, coming in and doing things, uh, man, Brandon Gatson. Now now we're starting to talk. That No Limit scramble with uh, Jordan Oasis, Wise Guy, Cameron, Grates, Cameron Gates, uh, Eli Everfly was uh, – just a wonderful just potpourri of you know a little bit of everything just sprinkled into one match and uh that was 
would you ever do what Eli Everfly does? Me no, because <laughs> I well, I don't even I. I I haven't even climbed the ladder to the balcony to just climb the ladder to the balcony to make sure the uh, hard cam shot looks good. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable uh, when he does his. Well, his- I kind of egged him on, you know, because I saw him and I was like, "Hey, you know, you know, I know you like to jump off things," and I was telling him about how uh, Vintage Dragon back in the day climbed to the top of the trussing uh, by the stage area. And how Funny Bone jumped off that. And that was all I said. And then all of a sudden they started fighting to the uh, front door area where that balcony is. And I didn't even see him. Like, he slid by me because I was by the front entrance because I was by the by the table for the door. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, shit, there's Eli Everfly. I didn't even, like, see him get over there. Like, I thought he was still in the ring. And... You know, he ended up injuring his ankle a little bit, but, you know, he was good. You know, he, uh, he, he you know, he needs to go to every venue and make sure he jumps off the top, the highest, uh, the highest point. Yeah, it, it's, it's just something else. And, it, and it's fun to watch from the perspective of looking out towards the fans and seeing that anticipation because, it was almost like the whole audience did what you did. No one saw him get to that area, but people saw him when he was on that ascent, on that climb, and you could literally hear people in the audience going, oh, shit, oh, oh, shit. And then when he took off, it was just like the place went up. It was great. Um, Cameron Gates, man, what did you think about uh, throwing him in there? Uh, I thought that was uh, – I thought he did some pretty good work. Well, I I was looking for – you know, we had announced the four guys. I was looking for a fifth guy. And, you know, I hit up Cartwheel. I hit up, you know, numerous guys that I thought, you know, might work, you know, in that match, you know. And and then uh, Matt Vandegrift and Jay Vidal, you know, I know they go around the West Coast. So I'm like, hey, man, I'm looking for – you know, a newer, a newer guy, you know, maybe debut. And they had mentioned uh, Kodo Hero, who they liked a lot. Uh, he was booked, you know, and I probably hit up four or five guys. And Cameron Gates was, you know, another guy that Jay Vidal highly recommended. But I didn't know him. You know, I knew of him. Santino guy, you know, usually uh, you're not going to go wrong by getting a guy from Santino. I uh, hit up Lucas Riley. He was booked. And it was like, I was literally down to two guys. Uh, one was local, who we've used numerous times, and now he's back kind of in it, Eli Quick. And uh, Cameron Gates, because I saw Eli Quick, he ended up working the Circle Six show. And right. if Cameron Gates wasn't able to do it, I was going to hit up uh, Eli Quick for the match. Cameron Gates... Which, again, uh, knowing that he's working a lot more, uh, you know, Eli Quick, I've always had him in good positions. He's, you know, he's worked good guys even when he first started. You know, I remember he worked a, a, a tournament match with Ryan Taylor back in the day at the Silverton. So, you know, he, he'd be a good guy to get back in the mix. But Cameron Gates, he actually just sent me a message today. Hey, I had a great time. The locker room was great. You know, anytime you need me, hit me up. 
So, you know, looks like him and, you know, Jordan Oasis might have some unfinished business, you know. Uh, I guess Cameron Gates uh, stole the uh, the backpack of the Unabomber Jordan Oasis and, you know, all hell kind of broke loose. I, I was just dying because in <laughs> it's only in professional wrestling that instead of your focus being on winning the match and becoming the number one contender for a, ch- a title, it was steal a bag and, oh, my God, I have to get my backpack back. <laughs> that was his goal for the rest of the match. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what was in there, but maybe there, uh, Oasis held some incriminating photos of himself that uh, he didn't want leaked. I don't know. There's something in there. We'll find out at some point. But At some it point. Was, it was interesting, to say the least, to see, wait a minute, is this now what's going on? They're fighting over a bag? What is, what's up? You know, and I, I definitely enjoyed the dynamic of it. You know, yeah. wise guy is an unsung hero, man. Here's a guy who comes in every every once in a while. You know, he'll come in from out of state, always always looking to get on an FSW show. And just sometimes there's just too, so many guys and trying to get the students on. But wise guy, you know, a lot of people don't realize he is a tremendous talent, you know, and – I, w- I would love to be able to utilize him, you know, on a full-time basis. You know, I talk about Eli and Gatson a lot, and I don't use them as often as I'd like. Wise guy is far less used who should be used because yeah. some of these younger cats who think they're deserving and stuff, wise guy would wipe the mat with them, you know, and it's like, you know, res- show some respect to, to, to people, you know, be aware of your surroundings and what you're actually being involved in. And maybe, you know, a lot of those guys, if they weren't part of FSW's training thing and things like that, and we just had to pick and choose guys that we would want to run a show with, and you're going to go with the best guys, they would be nowhere near it. You know, they may be good. And young and up and coming, but they're still not as good as a guy like Wise Guy who's been doing it for 10 years. You know, phenomenal shape. The guy can work, you know. know, He's got one of the best drop kicks I've ever seen, you know. And it's like a tremendous talent, you know. And having that five-way, you know, a guy like Cameron Gates, you hope was like, hey, wow, that's cool. I got to work with Eli, Gatson. You know, those guys have been doing it for a very long time and doing it at a high level. So, yeah. And, and then you a guy like Oasis, you know, right. I know he's had a good run in Washington and, you know, he's getting his feet wet here in, in FSW and working with guys like Vandegrift and Damian Drake and Jay Vidal, but working with guys who, you know, 10, 12, 15 years in some cases with Gatson and stuff, you know, we used him in 2009 and he'd already been around. So, and it's like, he's in the best shape of his life. So it's crazy. I was joking about it because uh, yesterday at the school, uh, a guy had messaged me about coming by and he's like, Hey, let me know if it's okay. And I'm thinking to myself, why the fuck would it not be okay? You want to come sign up? Like, like I'm not going to want you to sign up. 
and he put his name. His name was Brandon, and you know, didn't think nothing of it. So he comes in. I look at him, and then it's like, oh yeah, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, wait a second. It was this guy who trained with us and had matches ten years ago. Wow, cold-hearted Corey Phillips, and he had some uh, life issues that really wrecked him and kind of disappeared and we had never seen or heard from him again and i'm like so i guess he did something on the website so he was under the impression i knew it was him so that's why he was asking if it was okay and i'm like well i didn't get anything from the website it's like i didn't see it you know sometimes if i get anything it's just if you make an appointment like, I think he may have sent his resume or something that I've never gotten yet. And it was like, holy fuck. And it was like, I remember, like, he wrestled, I think he teamed up. It was Kenny King and Rush against him and Gregory Sharp. Wow. And I remember the match specifically because it was at Boulder Highway. Okay. And during the match... I thought Kenny King got pissed off at Sharp. And they were on the outside, and I swear to God, I thought Kenny King was fucking smashing him. And it, it was just Kenny King being a professional. But after the match, Kenny turned on Rush. So I always remember that match. And I remember Corey Phillips. He was this young kid. I didn't know. I found out yesterday because I'm like, how old are you now? And he said, 33. It was 2012. Wow. So he was this 23-year-old kid. He had trained with Legacy. So he was good enough. He's, he worked some, you know, Boulder uh, Silver Nugget shows. And, he, he, you know, he was part of the mix. And then, you know, he just fell off. And it was like, it, it was crazy, you know, that, that he showed up yesterday. You know, and it's like, you never know. It's like he's got the itch. He saw some stuff. And, you know, hopefully everything's all good. You know, he's supposed to start back and train today. So I, I messaged Cody about it yesterday. I'm like, you'll never believe who came by. And he was like, oh, I was worried about him. I'm glad to hear, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, you probably will see him Thursday at training. I, I like to imagine in those scenarios, it was during class. Uh, he went out to get an ice pack uh, for a bump he just took. And uh, now he's just coming back from getting that ice pack and, uh, you know, picking right back up to, to where he left off. So that's a pretty cool story. Um, ten years. Think about it. Ten years, man. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and he, obviously, you know, he, he, had, he had to straighten out his life. You know, I, yeah. I didn't get into deep conversations with him on how long it's been and all this other stuff. But, you know, I, I will down the line. But. You know, hopefully we have a, you know, a good redemption story that, you know, the wrestling FSW has brought him back and, and hopefully, you know, second time around is better than the first. Or you have or you have another lead in for the character, and that is the first time around wrecked him so bad that there's no other place to go because FSW put him on the street. You know, it could be. You never know. Uh, you mentioned uh, two guys there, Cutthroat Cody and Greg Sharp. Greg uh, was supposed to defend Nevada State title against Damian Drake, but dastardly enough, he took out Damian Drake uh, 
where there happened to be a camera around filming Damien Drake uh, in Damien's private life or something, I guess. Uh, but either way, Damien Drake uh, couldn't couldn't make it to the ring, so uh, Cutthroat Cody uh, stepped in and actually got a one, got a win by dis- disqualification against uh, Greg Sharp. Um, Greg also wrestled the uh, Circle Six the night before. He wrestled Alan Angels. Right now, is there another guy in the company that you feel is as valuable as uh, Greg Sharp's been within the past year? Again, he he's definitely a guy that uh, should be a top contender for the wrestler of the year. You know, who would have thought, you know, hyper streak would disappear. You know, he started, you know, with obviously it was still 2021, pretty sure. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he beat the wrestler of the year of 2021 in Jay Vidal, you yeah. know, and they had one of the biggest feuds of the year and him and Remy Marcel and, you know, people are gunning for him. You know, he got to wrestle Davey Richards and, you know, he's been involved in some marquee matchups, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, what's the future in store for him? Obviously he's got Damian Drake, you know, Cody, Cody is still on the horizon, you know? And, you know, as I said, uh, on September 4th, Chris Bay makes his return. You know, there is one title Chris Bay has never won. Uh, he was actually in the finals uh, for the Nevada State Championship that Graves was victorious in. Right. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting, and, and Gregory Sharp's going to uh, be very busy. Unless he loses the title, then he won't be as busy. But there's, you know... Davey Richards is looking for that rematch. You know what I mean? It's like between Cody and Damian Drake and Davey Richards. And, you know, there's a lot of other named guys that we're, you know, talking with about, you know, as we talk, uh, an Eli Everfly. You never know. A Brandon Gatson. There's guys, you know, Gatson and Sharp have history back in the day, you know. They main evented for the No Limits title at the at the Silverton when the following was uh, rebuilt. And what about Jacob Boston Young? You know, there's these guys that that are in the mix. You know, and we're we're extremely happy with what we got going on. You know, of course, there's Brett the Threat who is uh, looking to take on 13 guys at one time. Now I see he's calling out Danny Limelight because there was a conversation. Like, dude, you know, I know you're eager, but, you know, it's the old Scott Steiner thing. You're calling out guys that you're not even, like, even in the mix of talking about matches with. You know, it's like Blair Brody. Yeah, definitely the possibility on September 4th. But how about you get through the guys in front of you? Like he's already like got bypassed seven guys, and now now Limelight's the new guy on, on the mix. And the week before was about well, why is Damian Drake number one contender? Because I had beaten him in a match at a different company. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, calm the fuck down. 
you know, and, and, you know, I know you've had great success, but, you know, and again, when you say earlier, you were like, oh, you know, what are you going to be able to do, you know, how to, how to get these guys to under, you, you can't, you know, yeah. that's why Brett and the Suavecitos are great together because they're all delusional. And again, I'll say Ricky's less delusional than the rest of them, but it's kind of like the uh, Bonner and Baroni thing. You don't realize how crazy Bonner is because he was hanging around with Baroni. When right. he wasn't around, then you realized it. When they hung out together, you're like, hey, you know, Bonner, you know. And then it's like, oh, wait, he's a crazy motherfucker, too. You know? <laughs> so just because Ricky's less than Danny doesn't mean he's higher than everybody else in the locker room when it comes to that uh, attitude type of sure. thing. You know what I mean? And it's just trying to... You know, there's a fine line between, you know, being a cocky motherfucker and being a confident motherfucker. You know, right. in this business to succeed, you have to be confident. But right. you also have to be aware of your strengths and weaknesses. And none of those guys only have strengths. They have a lot of weaknesses, too, that they have right. to work on. And the question becomes, do they realize this and do they take that under consideration? And even though they're yapping and talking shit and stuff, are they working to make themselves the complete package? Because, sure. you know, when you're young and, you know, when you're 23, 25, I'm pretty sure I figured I knew everything also. You know, in most cases I did, but I'm a special breed. You know what I mean? It's like my kid thinks he knows everything, but he doesn't. Me, on the other hand, you know, as I said, I'm special. You know, I, I was able to navigate through the world and be right most of the time. You know, it, it's almost a sin, you know, to be that right. But it happens. You know, there's a few of us that are like that. But those guys, they got to understand that you know, you're going to have nights like you did on Sunday where things didn't go right, things you wanted to do, whatever it was. And, again, the key is always bouncing back. You yeah. know, the best guys are going to bounce back and you're going to make and make you forget all about the last thing because that's great. You know, people will remember a lot more of your fuck-ups than the stuff you did well. Because you're trained to be a wrestler, and the majority of stuff, the the average fan thinks, oh, you know, well, he's practiced that a million times. It's not, it's not that difficult for him. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, when you watch a 15-year-old kid do a 450 that he almost never fucking lands wrong, you know, it makes it seem like, oh, well, you know, if you learn how to do it, it it's pretty simple. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it's not simple. And you're going to fuck it up. So yeah. when you do it well all the time, it's expected. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, uh, yeah, that's that's such a true, uh, you know, a true thing. And, and it's that's what you're actually selling, right? That's why the audience is coming back is because you're doing something on a constant basis that 
varies from show to show. You know, um, if you did the exact same thing over and over and just play your greatest hits, you know, you're going to lose people. But, um, you know, it's 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 incredible to see. Uh, and I think Hammerstone's one of those guys who we see that, you know, no matter what he does, he does so well that he could even fuck up and you might not know he's he's fucked something up. Um, with that, the, the main event of Hammerstone and TBD versus uh, Lights, Camera, Faction, um, was there anything in there that you particularly thought stood out to you? As I say, during the show, there's a lot of running around. So even though the matches are going on, so when I'm not doing commentary, it's a lot harder harder to, you know, pay attention to everything, you know, that's going on. Like yeah. I heard the mat slam when Braxton got smashed and pinned. Now, I didn't see the nightmare pendulum. I had to ask what the finish was. And they're like, oh, Nightmare Pendulum. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I would want to see that because it's a little different with Braxton compared to Ice because Braxton being very tall and lanky. You, you yeah. know what I mean? It was, it so, was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So you, you got that there. You know, the situation, you know, Hammerstone, even though he didn't get pinned, that was his first loss in a very long time. It was a count out. But, you know, it still counts. Uh, you know, the faction, once again, made claim for a title match, especially in the tag division. Yeah. You know, even Ice Williams, he was the lone survivor, you know, yeah. the match that had the heavyweight champion. That should put him, you know, back in the mix of yeah. who you're looking at. You know, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not the next show, but he definitely didn't lose, you know, the opportunity, even though he did get pinned by Hammerstone at the anniversary show. Right. And, and Braxton has the case, which he could use at any time. Right. And we, we've seen it happen in the past. You know, it's possible that, he hands it on down to a member and says, we're cashing in, you know, and he could go after the Nevada state. He could go after the no limits. Yeah. You know, I would dread the day if the faction had every belt in the company, but it's definitely a possibility. They solidified themselves. They won the biggest match at survival of the fittest. Yeah. They beat the, the two champions. You know, both tag champs got pinned in the match, regardless yeah. of how it was done. You know, chicanery, trickery, whatever. Yeah. Bottom line is it'll go in the record books when you go to that, uh, what is it, cagematch.net or whatever it's called, and they give you the results. It is in Hero Lou was pinned because somebody got hit with a low blow and they cheated to get the victory. No, it's Hero Lou was eliminated by Lights, Camera, Faction. Right. And three months from now, that's all people are going to remember. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, 
the way that they are able to to utilize their smarts uh, to uh, get the advantage in matches, it really has been something that has been a pleasure to watch. Um, you know, one yeah, of the I good... guess you can't call it dumb luck anymore. Right, right. Now it's it's now it's uh, a solidified uh, mechanism of uh, taking advantage of the opportunities in front of them. I guess is the best way to put it. Well, but and, what... and again, now the confidence level is up. Right. You know, Ice Williams wrestles Hammerstone. He doesn't win, and most people don't expect them to, but he almost did. And people who aren't the biggest Ice Williams fans of his personality, uh, of his character, still have to give him tons of credit for the effort that he put in that match. And he almost beat one of the most dominant champions in FSW history. Yeah. Uh, the tag team pinned the other wrestlers that are the tag team champions. Yeah, and the last time they wrestled, they were actually victorious. Again, the the champs used their belts because the other guys brought them in, so they are definitely still the number one contenders for the tag team titles. Yeah. So, you know, regardless of how things came about, yeah. you know, they they are in the mix. Yeah, it's 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 fun to watch right now to see what they're doing. Um, also, before we talk about the last match, um, September fourth, like you mentioned, Chris Bay is going to be back. Uh, we're also going to have uh, Viva Van, I believe, there as well. Uh, what is going on on the fourth? Where is it? When is it? Uh, so that fans can start. Uh, well, it's, up- it's at the FSW Arena, Sunday, September 4th. We just got notice. I, I didn't pay attention. But I guess All Out is running at 5 p.m. So instead of us doing a 5 p.m. show, we're going to do a, a matinee show. Uh, nice. We're going to do Sunday at 2 p.m. That way the show's over by 4. People can be home, relax. Still have plenty of time. Uh, we're also working on a viewing party of All Out. So after the show, you don't want to pay. You could stick around and watch it on the uh, the four monitors in the uh, in the arena. We got the big screen. We got the two on the side. We got the one by the commentary table. And you know maybe we'll hook up a couple of more monitors in the ring per se. You know and and you know. Maybe it's included in the ticket price. Sure. Maybe uh, you could watch it, and we'll put seats in the ring for ten bucks or something like that. You know. So obviously we have to figure it out quickly because the show's in less than two weeks. But we're going to get it out there, and you know we got to contact about buying the pay per view. Obviously, you know. Right. So, but I think that's what we're going to do. We're doing the matinee show at two, run it till about four, and then we can start with the pre-show. You can stay, you know, in the past, we've done it with with Bay and Cross to where we had the viewing parties. Well, now we're going to have a wrestling show into the wrestling show. Yeah. And I know the fans, because they're the ones who told me, you know, I posted the thing about the five o'clock and a few people say, hey, all out which 
they aren't telling me that unless they planned on watching it. Right. So why would I want to stop anybody from coming to a show when all I got to do is move the time? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a, a fun little opportunity for anyone who is in town, wants to check it out, go ahead. Also, if you're not in town and uh, you want to watch a little wrestling before All Out, you can catch uh, the show on the 4th uh, on the FSW Network for six ninety nine a month. You get that show and uh, all the other uh, programs that FSW uh, has done uh, throughout the years. And uh, a good little way to uh, catch some wrestling before wrestling uh if you want to make a full day out of it on uh, sunday the fourth uh finally as we get into wrapping up here uh matt vandegrift uh retained the no limits championship against jay vidal so that means jay vidal's fsw career is no more uh joe what does it mean to you to have had the experiences with uh with jay and uh can you believe that quiet kid who walked into FSW is this superstar in the making right now? You know, yeah, it's crazy. It's like, here was a kid. He came in. Hey, I've trained a few years with uh, Gangrel. So he got connected to FSW from Gangrel into Sinbodi, you know, and... Yeah. We saw some potential early. I remember really liking what I saw from him, other than his terrible name that we talked. Uh, he was the e EDM kid, uh, Jaden Ridden or something like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this guy an opportunity. And he wrestled, I'm pretty sure it was Douglas James, who at that time was the No Limits champion. And yeah. we were doing a Bears and Body Slams downtown. And it was a really, really good match. It was like, wow, this kid, you know, has definitely got something. And then the pandemic hit. And he let me know, hey, you know, I got family in Florida. Things are tight out here. I'm moving back. And he was a guy who had a few years in, but because he was a newer student and Sin was kind of doing his thing with that, you know, he was paying you know, maybe a little more than he should for a guy at his experience level. You know, he sure. was paying with a guy who's relatively new. So between that, not having a job, whatever it was, it was time to go back. But I saw that potential in him, and I would always touch base. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? You coming back? And then at one point, as things were starting to ease, they were still there because we ended up doing the empty arenas and the other shows and stuff. He said, hey, I'm going to come back to Vegas. I'm like, hey, I'm going to give you a break. This is what I'm going to do for the dues. You know, I, you know, we want you here. You have experience. You're better than a lot of guys already. So you shouldn't be paying more than those guys that you're better than. So we got him back in the mix. And uh, at that point, we started using them, one of the guys from Arizona, Parada, and put them in a tag. And immediately, you know, they were – we were billing them as, as, as a heel tag team, and the crowd really responded to them very quickly. And, you know, it got to the point where they defeated the RMB, who were, you know, former tag team champions multiple times. You know, that was a big upset victory. Right. And 
they were starting to get a lot of momentum. And then Parada uh, upped and quit. He decided, you know, he didn't want to wrestle anymore. He had, you know, life issues and it took him out of there. And it forced us to put the newly named uh, Jay Vidal, which, you know, he had been that name for a while since, you know, I created the name, the bad bitches, uh, which, which fit them well. And, and they were beloved. And Jay Vidal stepped into the singles ranks and the crowd loved him. And the momentum just continued to where now he was putting on true bangers with, you know, Matt Vandegrift and Eli Everfly and whoever he stepped in the ring with, you know, you would expect probably one of the best matches on the show. So, you know, and at that time when he first came back, he was, you know, as you said, this skinny kid, you know, not much definition. And as the process grew and he grew as a wrestler, you know, he became the total package. You know, he always comes up to me, hey, check out these guns. You know, even the other day he was like, yeah, I was uh, I was I was standing across from wise guy and I thought I was looking in a mirror, you know, and, you know, no offense, but wise guy is a little bigger on that end. But Jay Vidal got himself, you know, in massively great shape. And he has put himself in a position. Uh, Impact came to town. They they chose to use him. They chose to use him again because they 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 liked him. They even had him involved in you know backstage segments and and, and doing some things. So obviously, at his age, you know he he's he's ripe for the picking. You know we talk about Vandergriff and and we talk about Jay Vidal. They've been they've been getting those opportunities, but Jay Vidal has been getting. Uh, a little more of him, you know, Matt was doing the triple a with Damian Drake, but then when he moved away, you know, that kind of dried up because, you know, Conan ain't flying people from Orlando, you know, to work their shows in Tijuana. So, but now Matt Vandegrift, he, he's back in Vegas full time. And uh, Jay Vidal has decided to uh, spread his wings a little bit. So, you know, have we seen the, uh, the end of Jay Vidal? Possibly. Uh, you know, we hope not. He's the one who chose to make that stipulation. So, you know, he feels he's on to bigger and better things. And, and, you know, we wish him nothing but the best. He's extremely talented. Uh, in most cases, he's extremely humble. He's always been, uh, super good with me. You know, I got nothing but the, uh, utmost respect. And it has nothing to do with, uh, the fact that, uh, we're both Puerto Ricanos and you know got a little soft spot for those fellow guys well i think that uh outside of the fact that the match was was a wonderful match and uh there was some just really some really nice stuff that they did uh and that's hard to do a lot of times too when you've wrestled each other consecutively for four shows uh you know for a title and had outcomes of the title going back and forth. So it, it was a it was a a wonderful final act for this feud uh, for Jay and FSW as well. Uh, but as you said, for now the door is probably you know got that crack open where he can kick it back open if he need it. But uh, I know the fans uh, gave him a wonderful ovation, and uh, I think that. Um, 
you know, everyone is thankful for uh, what Jay has put into the, the company. And uh, I think everyone's excited to see what this opportunity leads for him for next uh, to see where he goes in his career. So uh, just, just really nice to have had that time to see him shine on the stage that you gave him. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, it's like, you know, when there's times people get opportunities, sometimes they fall on their face. Sometimes, you know, it might be a little too much for them. But Jay Vidal, you know, when I said, hey, you know, we're going to give you this run, you know, because for people who may not have heard before, you know, Chris Bay, nobody knew other than me, Chris Bay, and I guess the referee that Jay Vidal was going to win the No Limits title on uh new year's eve night and you know when you see the emotion of jay vidal man that was a hundred percent real he yeah. did not know he was winning and then all of a sudden it was like what the fuck you know and you know it was it was a tribute to when uh chris bay won the tag title uh that way when i guess remy or jack uh didn't kick out and he got to be uh the tag champion and a champion in FSW for the first time, you know, it's a big deal, you know, first time being the champion. So, you know, a lot of times people like to look at, and sometimes even I do, it's like, Oh, well, you know, you didn't win the belt. You were given the belt. No, you weren't given the belt. Okay. You earned the belt. Yeah. You got put in that position because I felt my company, my belt, I put it on who I feel is going to represent us the best at that particular time, you know, because if it was, oh, who's the best guy? Okay, well, then everybody's going to hold the belt till somebody better comes along. It's you're trying to tell stories. You're trying, but you, you're, you, you're trying to always make sure that a capable person is going to win the belt. It has yeah. to be believable. And Matt Vandergriff winning it from Jay Vidal is believable. Chris Bay winning it from Ice Williams was more than believable. Ice Williams winning it from Remy Marcel was believable. You know, Damian Drake winning it was believable. And yeah. that's how it's been all along. You know, Eli Everfly winning it would be believable. You know, Gatson's a former No Limits champion. Cody, Funny Bone, Jacob Austin Young, you know, mo all those guys are still kind of roll rolling around, you know, 5, 10, 15 years later, still at the top of their game. So winning a championship in FSW, I don't take lightly in any way. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, what about him? And like, if I don't think they're ready, I don't think they're ready. People have come along. I remember, you know, Remy was pushing for Jack Manley back in the day for the No Limits Championship. And it was kind of like, hey, you know what? We got to build him. We got we to gotta get him when it's ready and it's right. And I believe he ended up winning it in like a 30-minute Ironman match or something. But it was the right time. You know, there's a lot of guys who were like, oh, especially in the tag division, because sometimes they kind of come together, even like Remy and Jack or the 1% or these guys, like, 
you want to build on the momentum. And it's like, okay, these guys are getting really good. And the thing is, three months after they won the title, they're way better than they won when they did when they won the title. And that's right. also part of the process of keeping the title on somebody. Like, okay, if you're a work in progress and we feel you're kind of ready and then you don't excel anymore and you kind of stale or stay where you're at, well, then we realize, hey, it's time for a change. Right. And, you know, making somebody a champion in FSW is is a process that is not easy. You know, it's like there's a lot of time and effort in my fucking brain to where, you know, again, it's like, hey, who's the guy after Hammerstone? And that's the, you know, that's the million dollar question. You know, who's the guy to beat Hammerstone for the championship? And, you know, there's a few on the radar. I was talking with Hammerstone and, you know, who he saw as potential guys. And, you know, he's like me, man. Very, he's old school and, and, and wants respect and sees the guys who put in the work and guys who really want it. You know, there's guys who who do really well, but they probably could do better. And that's the complacency or their content with where they're at. And as sure. I said, you know, if you look at all our champions who've gone on to other things, it was because they weren't content at where they're at. They weren't happy. You know, sometimes it's it's. Sometimes it's hard for them to even, you know, say they had a really good match because, again, they're they're harping on what didn't go right, what went wrong, what they should have did here. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the armchair booking. I sit there and I'm thinking, oh, man, if I was thinking I would have did this, this and this, you know what I mean? And it's like, unfortunately, you can't do the rewind and, you know, redo it. So. You know, you got to live with where you're at. So you're, you're going to always try to make sure that the best decision is the one that everyone sees. Yeah. And also, wanna, you know, talk about, you know, the, the feed. A lot of people get upset, and I, I totally understand. The thing is, it's kind of beyond our control. You know, the last show at the Silver Nugget, the last show at the school, it was the internet connection. It's the same internet. You know, yeah. people want to be like, oh, you got shitty internet. You know, we had Circle Six there and they did the live feed. And I'm like, hey, guys, you know, how, how's the uh, connection? Oh, the connection is great. It's 20 megabytes. The problem is it's 20 megabytes. But sometimes when Cox puts it out, issues happen and it drops to a level where we have frame drops and it freezes. And unfortunately, our last two shows, that happened. It happened yeah. at the Silver Nugget where we had done a few shows, the one with Sammy, and we did the Mecca, and the feats were great. Yeah. But when people are paying money, any freeze-up is, is an issue. And I know at the last show, which was, I believe, the anniversary show, we they, had, they cut the feed. And, you know... People had to pay 15 bucks for a live pay-per-view that they had to watch the next day. And again, that's unacceptable to me. Yeah. Or the network. You know, the fact of the matter is people are paying $7 a month 
It, it reminds me of like the Nitro Grill. You're only going there so many times to look at Hacksaw Jim Duggan's two by four. You're going right. there for the for the atmosphere for the thing. The network. You're going there. You've already seen the cross matches and Bay and Lacey. The people who keep paying for it are the ones who are paying for it because it's seven bucks and they get to watch one or two or sometimes three live events. Right. That breaks down to two, three dollars a piece. So seven dollars is not a lot for them. They're not doing it because, oh, okay, uh, I want to go catch up on Survival of the Fittest 2015. No, they want to watch the stuff. The people who came to watch Survival of the Fittest live in 30 days when we put it up on the network, now we'll rewatch it, but they weren't paying for it because they were there. And it's like for seven dollars, you still want to keep people happy. And we've had people, of course, unsubscribe or, you know, we've tried to offer things. But the network has done very well. And I think the reason why it's sustained for almost two years and the only reason it's sustained is because of the fact that we do the live events. Yeah. So we have to make sure no matter what, like. You know, I was on the phone with Cox the day after trying to figure out how things are with the upgrades. And it's like the pricing is so much higher compared to a residential home. Like yeah. my speed in my house is 10 times what it is at my business at FSW. Yet the fact of the matter is I'm paying like 100 bucks more a month yeah. for much slower speed. And the thing is, yeah, it's a business, but we don't have built-in employees that we need 20 feeds for the internet. It's not like now, because back in the day, you had to have cable. Didn't matter that you didn't watch shit. Right. With, with Cox, they haven't expanded to that. Well, here's a package that's exclusively for uploading because we don't really need it to download anything. We don't need it to surf the internet. That's not what right. it's there for. We use it once or twice a month. And to pay crazy amounts of money, to pay $500 a month to use something twice isn't very cost effective. No. No, and it's it's interesting that, yeah, the struggles are happening now. So are they essentially, you know... It seems like cable companies, when they have their internet, they like to uh, slow down the internet for the older packages they have, per se, and basically try to force you to spend more money to get the uh, the latest uh, thing. So basically, they, they kind of do what Apple does. They, they slow it down so that you're frustrated and the next thing you know you're paying way more money and well right right a couple of months back they sent me an email about upgrading the system so they sent me a new router or whatever and i i don't lease the system i don't pay an extra eight dollars a month which is a hundred dollars a year every year to pay for the router that i bought for 150 bucks on amazon Right. But now it's like, so I'm grandfathered in. If I signed up today, I have to lease their equipment, even though I can buy the same thing because that's how they do things. So they right. sent me the new router, 
but it was only just the router. It wasn't set up for the uploading and all the other things. And it's like, that's not what I needed for. So I ended up having to ship it back. But he's like, well, you know, eventually you're going to have to go. And it's like, oh, of course, eventually, you know, what I pay now isn't enough. Like I already upgraded a second time into a third time to get better speed, even though I didn't need it because the uploads, the upload, you know, and the uploads is you just sit there and just hope it works today. Right. Yeah. So, uh, again, uh, if you do have any problems, just uh, reach out and let uh, let the FSW uh, page know uh, that you're having issues, um, because it's good to be aware of that. Um, and yeah, sometimes, uh, like like George Furman, he'll text me, like, "Dude, I'm in the middle of the show. What can I do?" <laughs> like I'm on commentary, but well, you know, again, that's why you know I yap at the production guys. It's like that's great. Everything's running. How about somebody in the fucking corner have a computer and make sure the feed's working right instead of waiting for somebody to tell us the feed ain't working right? That's when we actually need the internet in the office so people can, like, check things. Ah, well, you know, it's it's headache after headache, as we've established (laughs) for you. So hopefully... Uh, as you address these headaches and things get, uh, you know, more in tune and, uh, and tightened up a little bit, hopefully your headaches will go down and, uh, just in time for something else at your private residency to break and go wrong. So, well, whoever wants to make an offer, you know, for FSW, you know, I, I might be willing to listen these days, uh, breaking news, uh, CM Punk. Uh, due to backstage heat with Adam Page, may leave AEW. That's what Fightful just uh, put out. So, oh, man. If if that was to happen, well. Take his there's... ball and go home like usual. Yep. Yeah. And, and then what but does I that... guess when you're in a position that he is, if he's not happy, he's just going to say, fuck you all. And the, the, the thing that sucks the most, and again, because of the fact that we all know people who, you know, work there and, and are getting paid and have, you know, families, you don't want to see anything uh, go wrong. You know, you don't want to see a company uh, have problems to where the guys might not be employed anymore. Um, that to me, that's the, if you were to do that, let's say theoretically he does that, you are basically killing the company at that point, and you're screwing all those other guys who potentially are now going to be out of work or have to be released because there's no way that they're they're going to have the same, uh, you know, they're, they're having a hard time pulling numbers with him back on the show, let alone if he steps away. Well, there you go. So... You save the money that you're exorbitant amount. You know you're paying them that they probably aren't getting back anyway. They did fine just without them, and they'll do fine with them. They'll do fine without them again. It's like they have their niche audience. You know, it's a ring of honor audience plus. You know, it's it, it, it's basically like instead of HBO Max, it, it's it's ROH Max 
what AEW is. It's like it's that fan base with sprinkled in a lot more WWE fans than Ring of Honor did. And right. they're on national TV. And before Punk, they drew similar numbers. And, you know, pay-per-view-wise, maybe it's more. I don't know because they don't really release those numbers. Right. But, you know, they do better than Ring of Honor does. And if there's going to be heat between Adam Page and CM Punk, normally you'd be like, well, you know, that's a squash match. But Adam, right. Adam Page is in with the original crew and the Bucks are his boys and, and they're the bosses there. So, you know, it ain't going to be like good riddance, Adam Page. So it, it's either you don't like it, fucking leave. Whoever thought that pro wrestling would have something like backstage politics? I'll tell you. <laughs> Shocking. Well, on that note, everyone, uh, remember September 4th is the next show at the FSW Arena. Uh, if you want to come down and see the show, it's 2 p.m. start. And it looks like afterwards you'll be able to uh, watch All Out. Uh, potentially, and uh, maybe or maybe not CCM Punk. So, there you go. Uh, it, it, Joe, you should know by uh, the fourth, uh, if uh, Punk's not uh, on the card, are you gonna fly him in? Yeah, I'm gonna have him work uh, Colt Cabana. <laughs> well, there, there you have it. <laughs> Book it for I think the next I have a better time. chance of getting Brock Lesnar than CM Punk. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, well, I guess we'll I guess we'll learn because uh, when this airs on Wednesday, isn't Moxley wrestling Punk for the uh, unification of the uh, belt? Yeah. So yeah, Wednesday night. So okay. I guess if Moxley wins, then maybe we know Punk's out the door. Or, I mean, at this point, if Punk doesn't even show up, technically you have your champion already. There you go. So. Or Adam Page cost CM Punk the belt, and it was a work all along, oh. and MJF shows up. Like I, I, It's like a, a potpourri of work shoots, suit works. Who even knows anymore? It's like. The, the true wrestling fan wants to believe everything's set up. MJF's going to come back. That everything's going to be worked out. The CM Punk thing, it's got to be it's got to be a work. So what's funny is, so CM Punk, the pipe bomb guy who says what he wants to say about who he wants to say it about, gets yeah. upset because Adam Page said some things in his promo, shoot promo, that hurt the feelings of the guy who had no problem hurting everybody else's feelings. Yeah, which is, and then, you know, and then you think about the absurdity, you know, of uh, how this this person will call out that promotion. And, you know, you have all this, this call-out stuff. And one of the reasons you have it in AEW is because they're given more freedom. Well, if you're going to give the freedom, then you have to have the consequences either as the promoter or as the wrestler in what that line is in which you're crossing. And I don't think that line's been defined. So therefore it's just kind of chaos when stuff like this happens yet. 
on the other company's Monday night show, which TK used to like to really rub them for not having great ratings on Raw. All of a sudden now, you get Johnny Gargano coming back, and no one knew about that, which is how wrestling should be. Well, you know, it's almost as dumb as the wrestler going on Facebook saying he wants a match with some guy that doesn't work for the company and is mad because you promoters, you need to book it. Okay, well, you can go pay for the guys. Like, why do I give a fuck about the match? Like, you want to have a match with somebody so bad? Then go fucking book it yourself and start your own company. Like, everybody thinks that nobody has things in place, which I guess, I don't know. I I always have things in place. You know, we know what the matches are going to be. You know, we know, have an idea. We may add a guy here or there, but we're not a company that, you know, I know there's some in Arizona where five, six guys will show up and they'll get spots. And yeah. it's like the only reason the Arizona guys got spots is because I told them to. There's plenty of times those guys come in and it's like, I got nothing for you. I'm not going to change. I got people hit me up. Hey, you know, I was thinking of coming by for survival of the fittest. I'm like, this is a casino show, bro. We don't just fucking throw you on because you're in town. I could give two fucks. Right. Yeah. You know? It's like, man, like, why did how many how many companies do you deal with that are so unprepared that you could just show up an hour and a half before a show and there's three spots available. Right. Well, uh I guess that means uh Unless we put up the money, we won't see the Brett the Threat versus Maxwell Hardy, huh? Uh, probably not. Okay. But, you know, I'm not sure if uh, Maxwell Hardy wants to come all the way here for, to wrestle a guy like that. You know what I mean? I don't think he wants to downgrade uh, what he does in uh, the wrestling business, Maxwell. Well, there you have it, everyone. Uh, Thanks for tuning in this week. And uh, until next week, everyone, have a safe and wonderful rest.